being smart is not all advantages in terms of making money, right? Being smart means you know the right way, but knowing the right way is just a small piece of it. It's really doing the right way, right? And sometimes being smart can be a deterrent to that. So I just mentioned that to prove a point, you know, but for me, it was just focusing on doing it as opposed to thinking about, you know, the reasons why it's good or bad or the reasons why I should consider something else, but just focus on the action. Welcome to the Edge of Excellence podcast. This show is for current and aspiring leaders that are dedicated to showing up every day in their lives with excellence. We break down the careers of those excelling so you can understand what is out there and how to rise up in every field you choose. Let's get the show on the road, shall we? Your host has spent his life promoting global entrepreneurship, helping 20-somethings find their passion and working to help others achieve excellence. CEO of CollegeWorks, Matt Stewart. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Don't forget to recommend this to your friends that are out there looking to figure out their future career, figure out how to make a mark on the world, and figure out how to get across the edge of excellence. Today, we have my good buddy, Asan Garatape. Asan didn't go to college. Asan wasn't on the path to excellence, but he found his way in his early 20s and he built an amazing business, sellpointcorp.com. If you want to find us on, he's going to talk today about combining passion with business. He's going to talk about it's not what you do, it's how you do it and knowing and doing the right way. He's going to talk about excellence using God's given talents to do more and leaving nothing on the table when you're done. And my favorite, just when self-doubt peaks, that's when things work out. Welcome to the Edge of Excellence. Esan Garatape, are we excited to have you? You've got a little bit of a different path than a lot of guests that we've had, a little bit more success than a lot of guests we've had, and a really cool kind of combination of values, skills, and passion all wrapped up into one entrepreneurial story. Thank you so much for making time for us today. Great. It's a pleasure to be here, Matt. Well, I'm going to start off the way I always start off. Uh, why don't you tell me what your definition of excellence is? Awesome. So my definition of excellence focuses around a few things, right? One of those is really living the life that you want to live. It's using the talents and skills that God has given to you to do something more. It's this idea that at the end of the day, that you feel that you've left everything out there on the line and you have nothing left to give. And when you lay your head on that pillow, that you're doing it with full thought and understanding that you lived your best life for that day. Well, I don't know if I can say this. I've done a lot of these shows and some of these definitions are starting to sound very similar. Yours is very unique, totally different than anything anybody else has said. And I may like it the best out of all of them. I don't know if I can say that. If you're one of the past guests, sorry to say it, but 
So what you're saying different that other people are saying is you go all the way. And it has to be part of that definition. It's not about just following your passion. It's not about trying your hardest. It, well, I guess sort of. It's not about uh, persevering for at least a year. And we've heard all these different things before. You're saying God gave you some skills. You got to figure out which ones you have and which ones you don't. And you leave everything out there every day. And that's how you get to the path of excellence. Yes. Yes. Working with your heart. Wow. I like that. So, yeah, you can add back in, you know, if you're going against your passion, it's going to be impossible to leave everything out there because you're going to be distracted. So figure out your passion. You can add back in there perseverance and you got to search around and try different things till you figure it out and try for a year. There's a lot of other episodes with a lot of other things to add, but I love the unique piece every day and everything you do. And I know you as a father, everything you do as a father is to leave everything on the table. I know you as a community man and you're um, th thank you very much for uh, planning that YPO graduation for me and this wonderful party you're throwing for me and the, the, the G8 from YPO. And you're just putting it all in there, bringing people together for lunches, making sure we do it right. It's, you're just always leaving it all out there. And I want to get into your business because a lot of our listeners kind of like how you put together your entrepreneurial life. They're searching for some idea. They're searching for something to do to make an impact. And you kind of combined all your values into your business. And the way you got there is kind of interesting. You're into the environment, you're anti-waste, you're into efficiency, you're into uh, making life better for everybody, impacting people around the world uh, with you know different demographic backgrounds. So you, cre you create this business that takes old phones that nobody wants, refurbishes them, makes them nice again, and gets them out there for a market that needs a alternative. And it's interesting how you got there because I think every guest I've had on this show went through the same path, did great in high school, tried their sports things or their drama thing or whatever they did, went to college, found out that they were a small fish in a big pond and then figured something out in college and then went off and climbed whatever ladder they were climbing. You skipped one of those steps. So why don't we go back in time and you tell us what what you were doing in high school and what happened right out of high school, because there's some people that are listening right now that are on your path to excellence and they may be skipping the college thing. So tell us what life was like in high school for you. Yeah. So in high school, you know, I struggled to fit in, right? Like many kids did. Um, I actually enjoyed debate quite a lot. So that was my main academic anchor. And then the rest of it just sort of fell into place around it, right? I didn't do, I did a little bit of cross country, track and field, um, but really debate was my passion in high school. I enjoyed it, it's what I, what I lived for, and it was, you know, one of my driving forces. And I knew that I, academics, you know, were, I was good at them when I focused and applied myself, but man, was it a big effort just to sit down and do that, right? Like it is for many. So I thought I was going to go down the path of many of my peers. Um, you know, I applied to many schools, didn't get into any, many, any, many of them, right, because my grades were pretty average. I did, however, get into the University of Texas uh, in Austin, their provisional program. Basically, go there for the summer, get a 3.0 or higher GPA, and you're in for the school year. Well, that summer, unfortunately, didn't get in, didn't get the 3.0 GPA, but it certainly was one of the most fun summers of my life. 
So that sort of put into perspective, right? Like, what am I going to do with my life? And, you know, and am I going to continue to figure out this college thing, go to community college and transfer credits at a future time? That's certainly what everybody around me was doing. So if I'm being honest, I took the next two years to actually think about it. And, you know, a lot of college partying minus the academics at that time. I had some financial aid um, that I'd gotten. So I was pretty much using that and it was quite generous compared to what I was used to. So that was enough to, to finance my life for, for a couple of years. After those couple of years, not really doing much with school and not doing really much professionally, I knew I needed to make a change. I knew that not only was that not sustainable, the path that I was on, but I knew that the people that I admired the most and the people that I most wanted to be like in some future state, I was, I was not laying down the pavement to get there, right? My actions, my behavior would not put me in that same category of people that I admired or respected. So I knew I needed to make a change. So as I mentioned, I was living in Austin, just sort of putzing around. From Austin, I decided to move back to Houston, which is where I'm from. Um, I moved in with my uncle. I slept on a sofa. I committed to get a job, you know, not having a college degree or much skills at that point, right? Other than being able to talk and I like to debate, you know, I, I, I realized I needed to, to get a job. So I, I started looking for a job, as mentioned, not much skills. So I printed out a stack of resumes um, and every day I'd wake up. I'd go to, I'd take my stack of resumes. I'd go to some office building in Houston. I'd start from the top of the office building and I would literally work my way down going into every single business in that building, asking if they had a job. Um, the resume, you might ask, you know, what was on there, right? Because I didn't have any professional experience or anything like that. But I always liked computers and I identified with technology. And that's what I saw myself as. So everything around there was focused around, you know, something that I did around technology or something that I, that I could do around computers. So I would do that all day from morning till night. And I'd come home and I'd send faxes of my resume to, to dozens of numbers every night. I would go to job boards like monster.com and apply and literally apply for hundreds and hundreds of jobs every week. So after doing this for about two months, I was pretty convinced that, you know, there was no job for me and, you know, I, I needed to figure something else out right at the moment where my patience was running really, really thin. And to say that, you know, I, I had self-doubt throughout the whole process, just to be clear, but my level of self-doubt after that two, two and a half month period was incredibly high. Well, funny because just when your self-doubt is the highest and just when you think everything's about to fall apart, is 99.9% .9 of the time when stuff works out. So that was true for me. I ended up getting a job fixing computers for this, for this company in Houston. Uh, they serviced small to medium-sized law firms. Um, and at that point, I was making $42,000 a year. And you know, I, I felt that I was you know, on, on my path. I felt rich at that moment. Hey, stop. Holy moly. And I've known you a long time, dude. And we've done some cool things together, traveled the world, hung out countless, countless times. And I don't know this story. So we got to back up a little bit. So there's a prefaces that happens. There's a pinnacle that you reach of non-achievement, let's say. 
So you're going through high school. You're not really kicking ass there. And I bet you were slow in cross country based on that story. You go to college. You don't quite make the cut. You stay in college, blow all the cash that they gave you for college, which I think might be a sin. And then something happens. So what was the moment that woke you up? I mean, I can't even believe this. So what happened? What caused that realization that, oh, my God, I need to get myself together. And it's so important because there's someone on that premises right now listening to this at 1.5 speed in their car, probably at nighttime, not in the morning. (laughs) Well, Matt, you know how it is. You're at a party. You're talking to somebody. And all of a sudden, you have this realization that the person that I think I am is not the person that I am. And I'm on this path to loserdom. And that is a very scary thought, to know that all your friends are two years away from graduating college and going to live successful and productive lives. And you, the person that everybody said in the past had all this potential, and everybody said was going to do all these great things, is now on the path to loserdom. Wow. Wow. So that's just, that's super duper heavy. And I'm just thinking, uh, you and I are a little bit older than the 20 somethings that listen to this. And I'm thinking about the TikTok and Instagram and all the articles I read. And, uh, when someone, I saw someone say Instagram's about your body, TikTok's about your skills, Facebook's about your life. And you just have these little places. And that's not what the guy said, but It opened me up to there's just little slivers that are always being studied. And what I see nowadays is I see people that are not on the path. And by the way, I think a lot of people thought I was on your path, too. I just went off to college, if you know, threw myself out there and had I had a realization. I remember mine. Mine was a, a essay I had to write to my parents, thanking them for what they did. I'm like, oh, my God, what did I put these people through? Um, so I had that same realization, but I look back and I, I think nowadays with all this social media, I think a lot of times people might be at that point that you were at or the point I was at and get pushed the wrong way by social media. So there's something where you sat down and you said, okay, I'm not who I want to be. And you didn't dwell on it. You didn't get depressed, um, which is hard to do nowadays. And if you are depressed or you feel you're depressed, I always stop here because I deal with this a lot. It's you should get help and you can always reach out to me, but get therapy um, because I think nowadays is on. It's a little bit different. And I wonder if people would have been pushed, you know, talking to that person instead of inspired and thinking about I'm not who I am. Instead of getting inspired, I wonder if they just get beaten on by social media. So you made a decision, and I hope someone listening right now is listening to this going, okay, this guy made a decision. He had potential. He was interested in computers. And then you went out, like pulled an Elvis Presley and went top to bottom of these skyscrapers, and you said months. And then you said this gem, just when your self-doubt is at its peak, when you totally don't believe in yourself, more than 90% of the time, that's when things happen. That's super inspiring. So you get a call after cold calling for months. I mean, I don't know what the economy was like back then, but if you're listening to this podcast in 2022, you don't have to go for months. You're cold calling with your resume. You decide you're going to start working hard. You decide you're going to make a mark. You decide, oh shit, I'm going to change my trajectory. And you can do it at 50. You can do it at 15. A lot of people have to do this. 
and you get this job at a computer company fixing computers for a few months. And then one of those people from UT Austin ended up starting a cell company and ended up kind of becoming maybe a peer role model to you. And you jump into the cell business and you start using those cold calling skills that you have. Um, and what happened then? Yeah. So, so as I joined up with Sean, right. Um, who was, as you mentioned, right. My potluck roommate for the, for the summer not, that I was at not UK. Sean, not Sean Baldwin of Baldwin and Sons. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, okay. it's another Sean Baldwin, not the one we both know. <laughs> okay, okay. So you join up with this guy, Sean, that's not Sean Baldwin of Baldwin and Sons. <laughs> yeah, yep, indeed. And and we're we're literally, you know, selling cell phone service, right? So we're at that point, Sprint had a reseller program. It was called the Small Business Dealer Network. And he was a reseller for them, and I was a part of his company. So we're literally as you said, using some of those cold calling skills, um, literally going door to door and, and selling cell phones, right? And at that point, the cell phone penetration rate was like 50%. So there was, it was like shooting fish in a barrel, right? It wasn't difficult to get customers. After being successful at this, then we started going to career fairs. We started going to career fairs and paying to set up booths in Houston, Austin, Dallas. We started recruiting people to work for us in this company and sell cell phones. So after doing this for about a year and a half, we got a hold. Uh, and, and at that point, my income was soaring, right, relative to to what I thought, you know, I would be making from that, you know, twenty-two dollars an hour to, you know, double that. My I, I thought that I was on top of the world. So as as we're going through this process, I we get a hold of this online bulletin board, wirelessdealers.com. And on this online bulletin board, you could literally buy 500 phones from a company in New York and sell them to a company in LA, making 20 points of margin. So we did this the first time where we're like, OMG, this is a, an insane industry and there's quite a lot of profit and got, there's a lot of scale here. And that was my introduction into the wholesale business and dealing with actual equipment that I'm in today. So now you got me on another one because you're like the answer to how to come up with an entrepreneurial idea. You got a different path. You have this, this realization, you have a change of direction. You have everything that kind of half the audience is looking for. So you're, you basically go get anything that you can get because you've got no resume. You're handing out blank pieces of paper in those towers and you're interested in technology. You have no, I mean, you're not a tech guy, you're a sales guy, but you're in there and you're, you don't even know. And that's just a good point. If you're listening to this at 1.5 speed in your car, you probably don't know who you are yet. You can take a disc test. Asan's taken them, I've taken them. And there's an episode on getting a disc test to kind of figure out if you're a tech person or not, if you're a rules person or not, but just go try something. So you try this computer thing. It only lasts six months because it's the opposite of who you are. And then you jump into what you think is technology, but you're just selling something that's high tech. And then you, you're, you're just trying to make money, right? You, you're not even you yet. You're in the middle of your 20s. You don't even know who your, what your values are. You don't even know what you stand for. You're not the great guy I know back then. I wasn't the great guy you know when I was in my 20s. You start this business and you're moving something from point A to point B, making some money and, oh, okay, I've got a viable business. And then later on, you figure out that it actually represents what you stand for. Later on, you figure out, okay, this aligns with my values. This aligns with my passions. I'm making life better for people. I'm not, I'm creating less waste. 
I'm uh, refurbishing and adding value. So later on, you figure it out. And that's probably why you still do it, right? If you realized your values, which probably happens in your 30s, and I'm not a scientist, so I don't know. But the story seems so familiar to me because I've heard it from other people. You find out you have the business you like and you move forward with it and you become one of the market leaders in that industry. And had you not found it aligned with your values, you would have probably started a different business back then, huh? Yep, that's exactly right, Matt. And, you know, for me, it was even simpler, right? It's this idea of being with people. It's this idea of making relationships, right? It's this idea of using my brain and using my creativity to solve problems, right? When I'm doing that, I feel like I'm in alignment with the universe, right? I feel happy. I feel positive. And I notice the more that I do those things, the more opportunities that fall on my lap, for lack of a better word, right? It's this idea of the law of attraction versus just chasing everything down and, you know, redlining your engine just to get from here to there. Um, and that's another good point, right? When you live a life that, that you want and you live a life of fulfillment, opportunities and things just come to you, right? Well, that, and that's what you said in the beginning. You have this God-given talent for doing deals. You've got this God-given brain for understanding the math behind it and, and problem solving. You've got this uh, ability to build relationships and work with others and get them to see, you know, things the way you do. It's what your personality is. And then you're out there not making money. Who cares? You're out there winning the game, getting the most amount of people phones that maybe they can't afford, getting the most amount of people a credit on something that otherwise they'd have to throw in the in the trash, which may pay for their holiday gifts. Who knows? Um, So your skills of relationship building, your skills of problem solving, all of this stuff aligns with, you know, how you want to make your mark on the world, your values, your path that I guess is a, is a process of finding, you're probably still finding it, right? A hundred percent. Right. And now that's the thing about being smart is we often know the right way, but knowing the right way is not enough, right? You've got to constantly remind yourself and constantly fill your mind with positive things in order to stay on the track, right? Because, you know, being smart is an advantage, but it's also a disadvantage um, because knowing is only 40% of the battle, right? The other 60% of the battle is just doing it, right? So, you know, you can see we have a video right now. I know the listeners won't be able to see this video, but behind me and all throughout my office and even in my bedroom, I have a sign posted up and it says, you know, what good did I create? for my customers, my employees, and my suppliers. And I don't, you know, and and, and if those three questions are answered in the affirmative, I don't need to check my revenue. I don't need to check my profit. I can already tell you, you know, my revenue and my profit, my business is going the right direction as long as the answers to those questions are going the right direction. Are you enjoying the show thus far? We go through so many resources and links with this podcast, it's tough to keep up. I get it. That's why Matt and the rest of the team put together the Edge of Excellence Bundle. In it, you'll find different tools that relate to overarching themes and topics of the show. Things like disk assessment tools, time management strategies and tactics, stress and anxiety management tools, exclusive videos and episodes from this podcast that is not released anywhere else, and so much more. The best part? As a valued listener of the show, 
you can access the Edge of Excellence bundle 100% for free of charge. That's right, for simply being awesome and tuning in. To get access, all you have to do is go to www.collegeworks.com podcast and fill out the short form there for us to get the bundle over to you. Once again, it's www.collegeworks.com podcast. Now, back to the show. So if you're listening to this and you're trying to figure out, and I hear this all the time, I want to start a business and nobody knows what business to start. You try something and your path, I think, Asan, was find your passion. Well, first of all, you had to make a decision, you know, decide to do better, decide to use God's given skills to do more, decide that there's nothing else to give when you're done at the end of the day. So decide that you want to make a mark. Then look for your passion. And you probably have quite a few, right? There's, I mean, you could be running a fishing company. You could be running a travel company. You could be running a school to take care of kids. There's all sorts of passions you have. Find a passion, then find a focus. Then maybe you find a business and throughout all of that, you grow older, you grow wiser and you find your values and you find who you are. hundred percent, Matt. It's not right the specific content of what you do that matters. It's really how you do it. You know, I think about myself, and at this stage, I'm 41 years old. You know, I've got two kids, uh, an 11 year old and a 13 year old. And you know, and my work, right? When I'm using my creative mind, what brings me the most enjoyment, you know, professionally at this moment of my life is when I take complicated, difficult problems. And I work with smart people to come up with solutions. And then I work with other people to execute those solutions. That to me is like the highest form of living. And you know, not to be too religious, right? But creativity, I believe that when we are creative, we are being most like God because God was and is creative. So every time I'm creative, it brings me a lot of joy and fulfillment. Wow. So it's not what you do. It's how you do it. So it's not what the business is. It's get something going and go searching and figure out if this is something you can stick with and find passion in. And every day, your skills that you're using, the things that you do it are doing is problem solving. So is there an example of some problem that you're, you're solving recently? Sure. Um, so you know, three years ago, I had a pretty sizable business supplying parts and phones to T-Mobile's insurance program. It's a really large insurance program. And overnight, T-Mobile signed a deal with Apple to where all their insurance was going to be in-house. And all of a sudden, overnight, this program went to zero because of a deal that T-Mobile made with Apple Care to offer Apple Care as insurance instead of their own. So I had this sizable business and I was supplying a lot of parts and a lot of material for this program, which all of a sudden went to zero. At that moment, I couldn't cut my expenses fast enough to deal with the loss of revenue and loss of profit that I was experiencing. At that moment, I knew that I needed to come up with something new. And, and I'll tell you exactly what that is, but let me preface it by saying in the consumer electronics industry, whether it's me or another company, if I did what I did last year, this year, I'd only be 70% effective. If I did what I did three years ago, this year, 
I'd be like 10% effective. Could it be more true in consumer electronics? And the idea of every single year, the reset button is being pushed. So you and I had better come up with something to reinvent ourselves every single year. And you can think about some of the largest cell phone companies 15 years ago. They're not even around anymore. And we don't even, can't even remember their name. So if that's happening to these big guys, imagine the chaos happening at the level that the cell point plays at. Wow. So, so, so that's the preface. Yeah. So I'll just tell you what quickly what the solution was, right? Yeah. Is that a good, good follow, good continuation? Yes. The, so my, so I couldn't cut my expenses fast enough. So we came up, so I knew some engineers in Mexicali because one of my biggest customers was down there in Mexicali and I become friends with some of the operations people and some of the engineers. And using my network down there, we came up with a solution just to polish the phone by removing 0.2 microns of glass off the front and off the back. And then we came up with another solution for the middle frame. So what was fundamentally different is that we were refurbishing the phone, taking it from a C-grade cosmetics to an A. But here's the difference. We were doing it without buying parts, and which was, at the time, groundbreaking. And you, the idea is that if you look at a phone and we were to refurbish a phone, the most expensive cost is by far the parts. It's not the labor, right? The LCDs that Apple puts on these things can cost anywhere from two to $300 just to manufacture. You can imagine the cost of the other parts. So the fact that we were able to, what I call organic reclamation, improve a phone's cosmetics without buying parts was not only great for the environment, what is not only great because it kept Apple away from us, that they you know, had no reason to chase after us because we weren't using their logo in any unauthorized way, and three, created a viable business that could be profitable. So there's a lot there. So I, I want to start with the wake because you talked before about relationship building skills. You talked before about going to work for someone you admired, even though that guy probably knew that you weren't doing all you could do. So you leave a wake behind you. And we're on this call today because you and I are going to lunch. And I suckered you into coming on the call like I suckered a bunch of people coming on the call. You didn't ask if there's any money. You didn't ask. And you've listened to these uh, podcasts before, even though you're not my audience. You just do nice things, right? And part of being in business and part of being able to come up with a new line to go reinvent something is you have to maintain relationships. You have to watch your wake. And you and I both know that there are people that squash people on the way up, but it's very few. Like 1% is my guess. Most of the successful people we know in business are value relationships, will do anything they can for anybody. They're excellent friends, right? They're excellent community members. They leave nothing, they have nothing else to give at the end of the day. And so you've got that. And I think that's kind of important in business, especially our social circle. You know, everybody's looking out for everybody else, doing everything they can to impact everybody and leave nothing on the table with their God-given talent of helping people out because they've got, you know, a specialty. You've got a specialty. So you have these relationships that you've built. You've got this wake. And if you're in the car listening, pay attention. Then you have this problem-solving skill set. You've got this creativity. You've got this ability to kind of see the future, stay ahead of the curve. You're probably reading uh, 
um, stuff about technology all the time. You're talking to your neighbors, a famous technology, won't say his name, but I love to say Sean Baldwin's name because he told me not to, but your neighbor who's very, very famous in technology. You're great at decision-making because you've been stung a few times and you know it's worse to get stung from a bad decision than to not make a decision at all. And then all the way back to cold calling those skyscrapers and the ability to take no for an answer and the ability to persevere and the ability to control these negative thoughts and this lack of self-confidence. Wow, that's a lot of stuff. And it's every day you're doing all that, right? That, that's exactly right, Matt. And I'd also like to call out that what you describe now, right, this idea of paying it forward, this idea of being a great community member, this idea of investing in others, that's not the way that I was raised. That's not you know, the, the values that, 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 I, that I walked into my 18th year of life at, right? And at the beginning years of my business, it was all about me, me, me. And I was like, how can I get ahead so you know I can get a nice car? How can I get ahead so I can do this? And I struggled. For many, many years, I struggled. And I had mediocre success and average success. And there's something that happened throughout that process, call it 14, 15 years ago, where I stopped focusing on me and started focusing on others. And I'd say that's the single most decision that has created the life for me, my family, my employees, my customers, and my suppliers. This idea that when you focus on others and you invest in others and you help other people make their goals, that is the way to get ahead. It's never about what's in it for me. It's make a bunch of people happy around you, make a bunch of people successful and the success that you personally will achieve is far greater than anything that you can elbow grease your way to. And I think that that message is the message for today, right? These kids, I, you know, I call them kids. I'm old. Okay. Don't hang up on me. Don't unsubscribe because I'm calling you kids. But these young people are, I, I think it's kind of abusive. They're going through life and it's just everything that's happening around them is better than what they're doing today. The beaches are popping up. Everybody travels more. Everybody's more successful and everybody's self-centered. It's all about them. And so they're trained about me, but it's okay. It's okay to not have achieved what you want to achieve by however old you are right now, even if you're our age. It's okay. It's okay to not know who you are yet. It's okay to not have all your values formed. It's okay to not know what you want to do. It's not healthy to think, and I hear this all the time, that you're going to retire by 35 off all the money you made. That's setting you up for midlife crisis. Life is a journey and you're adjusting. And Asan found himself in your mid thirties, I think, right? early thirties, you found yourself, you found your values, you found your future. And I think people in that 20 something age group just beat themselves up or get beaten up because, you know, somebody found theirs and how have you not found it yet? And I, I have the same way. When I chase the mighty dollar, I never win. When I'm rushed to get something done, I never win. It's when I take a few deep breaths and I'm patient and I start paying attention it's serendipity where you find your business. 
It's serendipity where you find your business partners. It's Sarah. You know, I, I didn't find my wife until I stopped looking for a girlfriend. I never had a girlfriend before my wife. She's my first girlfriend. So I go on this hellacious journey to find a girlfriend and couldn't find one. I finally gave up. And there's my wife who I had known since I was in 10th grade or eighth grade. Actually, she was in fifth grade. I was in eighth grade. Crazy. Now, I think this might be my favorite podcast episode, too, which I'm not allowed to say. So this focus on others and, you know, we're, we're totally off all the script. Um, you must have found somebody to help. I know you love Vedanta, but you must have started reading and you keep uh, you keep referring to religion. So was it a spiritual awakening that you had was what happened to help you find your what is happening to help you find your path? Yeah, the type of personality that I have, I, I do need some guardrails, right? I'm not a self-managed uh, person able to get to the finish line. So some of those guardrails, right, could be Christianity, right? And as I told you about that moment, right, where I moved from Austin to stay on my my uncle's sofa, um, you know, I started getting involved with the church, started getting saved, or got saved rather. And and that for sure was a was a huge turning point for me and for my life. But again, as I as I mentioned, and I really mean this, that being smart is not all advantages in terms of making money, right? Being smart means you know the right way, but knowing the right way is just a small piece of it. It's really doing the right way, right? And sometimes being smart can be a deterrent to that. So I just mentioned that to prove a point. You know, but for me, it was just focusing on doing it as opposed to thinking about, you know, the reasons why it's good or bad or the reasons why I should consider something else, but just focus on the action. So being open to the knowledge, being open to the knowledge of the way or the decision or the morals, and we keep sort of saying this, the most successful business people we know make the moral decision. They don't make the financial decision. They do what's right. Um, so knowing that and then doing it, you know, you should work out, but you eat ice cream in bed late at night, or that was me. Um, you know that you should call your mom and you postpone it till tomorrow. You know that the person that's working with you isn't making a fair amount of money and you should give them a raise. Knowing versus doing. And what I'm getting from this from this experience is the knowledge takes a while. You have to search and turn over a bunch of rocks and try a bunch of different things before you really know. And then you just have to pick something. So for you, it's the the technology industry. For someone else, it's um, fishing or for someone else, it's whatever it is. And you go do that and figure out if that's where you need to be. And if not, you keep moving on, right? hundred percent, hundred percent. It's a journey. I mean, when I was the age of your viewers and people would say the you know life is a journey not a destination i would honestly i would think to myself how stupid are these people right but as time yeah, I mean, goes, i'm puking in my mouth right now <laughs> <laughs> exactly so but you know having the benefit of of living a little bit of life it could not be more true you know i've been i've been rich i've been poor i've been happy i've been sad and I realized that all those things are temporary. And at the end of the day, when I look in the rear view mirror of my life, it is the memories. It is the moments, right, that you struggled and the moments that you went through adversity that really define who you are. And I say that because that's the journey part, right? And if we don't stop and I don't stop 
to celebrate the adversity and to celebrate sometimes the shit that I need to solve, then life will pass me by and I'm going to be chasing something that at the end, yeah, it'll be there, right? Because it's not a terribly difficult formula. It's, you know, set goals, work hard, pray, and guess what? Good things happen, right? That's true for me. It's true for everybody. Um, but that's not what it's about because that shit will happen. That will definitely happen as long as you follow that simple formula. But what is your, what do you have to show for at the end of it? Wow. So I mean, my questions look kind of ridiculous now, but I'm assuming you're surprised by where you ended up. A hundred percent. This exceeds every single one of my, my dreams or aspirations when I was a kid. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, you didn't want to live on the cul-de-sac you live on. You didn't want to have the big business because you didn't know what it was. You're from Houston. I'm from Albuquerque. We didn't know what was out there, but you're making deposits. You're chasing your values. You're chasing your passions. And what do you know? You're surprised today. And in 20 more years, you're going to be even more surprised. Yes, 100 percent. I think it's really important to mention this. You know, when I hear you describe my life, Everything you're saying is true, 100%. But the person that I was 20 years ago is a lot of the same person that I am today. So while all those things are true, I need to make an intentional, conscious effort to see what you just said. And, and, and you're right. And, and so that's the part of you know just knowing is just a small portion of it. But it's the constant reminder, you know, that's why I like gratitude exercises so much. That's why I like to meditate, because it helps me to focus on what is true, like everything you just said. But if I'm being honest, why is it that I spend a lot of my time focusing on what I don't have, as opposed to the truth, which is what you just said, which is far exceeds, and it goes back to something that I, that I, that I talk about, right? Sometimes if I compare myself you know, against some of the most successful people we know, yeah, it makes me feel competitive. It makes me feel weird. You know, it makes me feel, man, why am I not where they're at, right? But that's not a healthy place. That's why I focus on trying to do exercise, eating healthy, meditate, do my hobbies. And it's not that I'm checking the box, but it's the more of those things I do, the better my foundation is to be able to experience the truth of life which is I'm incredibly blessed. I'm incredibly grateful. I have an incredible life. And those are all true things. But if we're not in that good place, it's very easy to focus on what we don't have. So what I do is instead of comparing myself against those most successful people, I try and force myself to compare myself against me 10 years ago. And every time I do that, if I'm being honest and if I'm in a good place, I automatically feel uplifted. You know what I'm going to say to that one is just thanks for mentioning that because I think that uh, it's a life journey. And you mentioned Christianity. I grew up in a Christian family and I don't go to church anymore. You mentioned meditation. Meditation works for me. I oftentimes talk about Vedanta and I know you brought in uh, one of the Vedanta leaders to meet with us once. I talk about the Dalai Lama. It doesn't matter where you get it. It matters that you're constantly focused on who you are. And both of us were kind of obnoxious kids back in the day, but inside we weren't. Inside we weren't obnoxious kids. We were behaving obnoxiously. Now, you know, we do all we can for others. 
because that's who we are. And we hang around with people that have the same values. We hang around with people on the same path. They're going maybe a little higher, maybe a little lower, maybe the left, maybe the right. It doesn't matter. It matters that you're trying your hardest. And I, and I think it matters that it's okay to be 20 years old and not know exactly what you want to do for a living, not be able to retire by 35, not be going to Harvard. It's about living the life you want to live, using God's given skills and going on the journey, right? You're on the journey. So I'm not going to ask you what sacrifices you made because it doesn't matter. This has been a different podcast. Um, if you want to find Assad, you can go to sellpointcorp.com. I appreciate you coming on today. I'm looking forward to lunch. I'm glad I asked you to be a guest so we could make the lunch a celebratory podcast lunch. And I hope you have a fantastic holiday season. And I look forward to seeing how many people get wonderful things out of this podcast. Thank you so much, Matt, for this opportunity. And to all the listeners, you know, you can do it 100%. You know, if I can do it, if Matt can do it, for sure you can do it. So the job is to just get up every morning and put one foot in front of the other. That's it. You know, do that over and over again to the best of your ability and good stuff happens 100% of the time. Yeah, life, life is about practice. If you didn't practice well today, you get to practice tomorrow again. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed that episode today on the Edge of Excellence podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on whichever platform you're listening to this. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share this exact episode with them. This show exists to showcase what is possible when young leaders are willing to step out of their comfort zone and choose to excel in their lives. To learn more about our internship for young and ambitious students, www.oneinternship.com podcast to see if it's something that makes sense for you. Once again, it is www.oneinternship.com slash podcast. Let this be a reminder for you to live on the edge of excellence in your business and life. See you next time.